Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you happen to be listening to this, the latest episode of The Curated Culture, I am your gracious, humble host, Rob, aka Robbie Diesel, and I want to thank you guys for checking out the latest episode of The Pod. Yeah, I know, by the time you're hearing this, Wednesday has come and gone. It is now Thursday, we're a day late, we're a dollar short, I, uh, I tried, (laughs) I've really legit tried my hardest to get this out to you guys on Wednesday, and I think, there, I don't want to verbalize this, but I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna switch up the, the formula of the pod just a little bit here, I feel like there's an opportunity to do something really different, And I'm going to employ that at some point. But for right now, make sure y'all still check out for your boy on Wednesday. How the heck are you guys? How have you been? Me personally, I am on cloud nine. I am very, very excited. I am very happy. And I'm going to talk to you about why I'm happy in just a moment. But first, of course... We got a little bit of business to take care of. And of course, that business is making sure that you are subscribed to the show and that you're aware of all the different ways that you have to interact with us and follow and support us. So first and foremost, primarily, you make sure that however you're hearing the sound of my super smooth, velvety voice that you have subscribed to the pod. Now, that doesn't matter if you're listening to me on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or iHeartRadio or Amazon or Samsung or Deezer or Pocket Cast. However you're listening, make sure that you have subscribed to the show. That way, you don't miss an episode whenever we decide to upload. At this point... It could happen at any day during the week, but you want to make sure that you turn on those noties so you know when we drop a new episode. Also, make sure, if you have the option to, that you leave us a five-star rating and review. That way, you help us out in the algorithms. You get us in front of more eyes and into more ears, and that essentially helps further my plot for world domination in the audio space. Now... In our other mediums, please, please make sure that you are following us over on social media via at The Curated Culture on Facebook and Instagram, at underscore Curated Culture on X. You can also follow your boy over on all the social medias, uh, Instagram, X, Facebook, Snapchat, Blue Sky, TikTok, Threads, all of the above via at Robbie Diesel. You search for at Robbie Diesel, I guarantee you my beautiful chocolatey face is going to pop up. Hit that follow button. I uh, I love to riff. I like to talk about wrestling and the Lions and how much I love and hate football simultaneously. I promise you it'll be worth a follow. 
Now, you can also make sure that you're checking out the website, thecuratedculture.com, and also check out youtube.com slash Robbie Diesel. Tons of really, really great stuff over that way as well. Now, we need to talk about why I am so excited, why I am thrilled, why I am over the moon. Some people may say, and this reason why has to do with football. Of course, of course, it has to do with football and it has to do with football because we are coming off of probably the single greatest weekend of NFL wild card playoff football that I've ever witnessed. We got to see several teams really emerge as strong contenders, championship contenders. We got to see some young guns outduel the established vets. We got to see one team be completely who they've always been. Yeah, I'm talking about you, Dallas Cowboys. So I'm not going to drag this out very far, but um, my hometown Detroit football lions were able to exercise the demons and they were able to conquer the returning former hero of the Detroit lions, Matthew Stafford and the LA Rams. We disposed of them. The Detroit football lions sent them packing back to LA on route to our first playoff victory since 1992 1992 that was a long ass time ago and we finally I say we I'm a Lions fan and I include the team (laughs) in my personal statements I'm not out there catching footballs I am not throwing I'm not making tackles but I as a Detroit Lions football fan can say we because I'm part of the movement We won our first playoff game since 1992. And that is a very big deal because this team in particular has been through the ringer several, several years of excellent standout players seemingly wasting their prime with the Detroit football lions. Um, A team that has seemingly just been cursed with bad luck. As we've always had the talent, but we've never been able to get over the hump. Seems like either something in the front office or the coach or maybe even ownership. Just the pieces were not in place. And finally, finally, we were able to to get over the hump. And then, again, exercise those demons. This is a big deal for the city of Detroit. So often have our sports teams, the the people, the players that we root for, set us up for disappointment so many times. And while there is still a ton of football left to be played, these Detroit football Lions feel so much different than any other Detroit Lions team that I've experienced. 
the last time that the Lions won a football game, a playoff football game, was back in 1992. In 1992, the world was a much, much, much different place. I, myself, was a spry seven years old, chunky as all get out, really still discovering myself and finding my way in the world. And even back then, I had an allegiance to the Detroit Football Lions, even though we had been resigned to the status of consistent losers, we had a lone bright spot on our team, and that happened to be Mr. Barry Sanders. And his performance in those playoffs and in several games for the Lions, I believe is is really what got us there and what got us over the hump. But still, the Lions made an exit in the divisional round. <laughs> Uh, and as such, uh, haven't really sniffed anything close, uh, since I believe the last time the playoffs, uh, the Lions made the playoffs was like 2014, something like that. Uh, but even then just got decimated, but I don't want to talk about football this entire podcast. No, 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 no. I was thinking. 1992 that was obviously a while ago it's forever ago what was the what was the world like in 92 what was happening what were some of the biggest news articles current events what was the world of tech and pop culture like in 1992 so i decided i wanted to do a little tiny bit of research not a ton not a whole lot But I wanted to look back and I wanted to see exactly what the world was like in 1992. For me, obviously I was around, but my worldview was very limited and I was basically sheltered by a bubble of pro wrestling, Saturday morning cartoons and and video games, which honestly, looking back, I mean, not much has really changed. (laughs) Not a whole lot. I still enjoy Saturday morning cartoons. I still love video games and pro wrestling. Don't even get me started. We're in a boom period right now. The best it's ever been. Either way, I figured I would use the podcast today to take a look back at uh, the year that was 1992. And I I found some really, really interesting things. Um, It jogged my memory. It brought back some some core memories, some good, some bad of of what was going on in 92. And I figured I I would just share a couple of them with you. And we'll start in the world of music. In 1992, music was all over the place. Uh, rap and R&B and hip hop was really, really, really starting to take off and, and had gotten so much mainstream exposure that it's not even funny. The Seattle grunge sound dominated the airwaves. Bands like Nirvana and Pearl Jam stayed in circulation on major radio networks. And I, for one, I have to talk about this for a second. I, for one, 
can remember being super young and and really loving Nirvana. Like they sounded so different than you know what a, what a rock band is supposed to sound like. Now again, for me, the very very minimal exposure I had to rock, I thought everybody was supposed to sound like Led Zeppelin or Kiss. But Nirvana stood out to me because they were they were loud. God, were they loud. They were messy. They were all over the place. But sonically, they were so beautiful. And they sang about things that were pretty angsty. And a lot of the concepts of their music was over my head at the time. But it was one of those things that I was able to revisit in my teenage years and then again later in my adult life and I I really came to appreciate the significant contributions that they made all the way back then REM is an acquired taste for some people I also happen to love REM they dropped their 8th studio album back in 92 and they dropped two two major bangers on that album one of which was Man on the Moon an ode to Andy Kaufman, which was later used in the in the movie Man on the Moon. And then Everybody Hurts, which is, I think, to me, this is not fact-based at all, but I would have to imagine that Everybody Hurts has to be one of their most commercially successful songs because it's been used in literally everything. It's been used in commercials, It's been used in movies. It's been used in everything. Everything that you can think of advertising wise. I've heard everybody hurts at some point. And it's it's a jam. It's a certified jam. I love it. We also have Whitney Houston. Literally, I went back and looked at this from the time the song dropped all the way through like the start of the next year, Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You straight dominated the charts. It was like a top 10 single all of 92. Now, the movie that the song came from, The Bodyguard, was not as commercially successful, (laughs) but the song straight killed it. And ironically enough, I picked out, there were so many songs from from the 90s that were like super bops, like crazy good music. That was the year Criss Cross came out wearing their clothes backwards. I don't know if y'all ever did that. Those who were alive, at least. (laughs) Those of us who were alive back then. Did you wear your clothes backwards when Criss Cross came out? I did. I tried it. And it only took uh, one time. For me to have to really, really pee, like super bad, for me to go, okay, this is a bad idea. Have you ever tried to unbutton your pants? Like, as a seven-year-old, your motor skills are already pretty shit, right? Like, they're not good (laughs) at all. Now, add that into the fact that you have thought it was cool to put your pants on backwards, button them up and zip them up, and now you got to go to the bathroom. Bad. Yeah, I feel like that is the equivalent of, um, you know, 
when you get your first your first major action as a teenager and it comes time to undo that those bra buckles yeah 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 it was not fun fumbled all the way around almost peed myself i made it i did make it but it was almost not good the one song that stood out to me from 92 specifically and this one itself is also a, a very commercially successful song. It was the year that Sir Mix-a-Lot came out with Baby Got Back. This brother made a song about a young woman or young women who were thicker than a bowl of oatmeal. And he just decided that the whole entire world needed to know about it. And it was an anthem. It was a 2C Thick Girl Anthem for a very long time. Then I, for one, am very proud that he decided to produce that track. Now, 92 also saw the dissolution of NWA, which I still to this day think is is one of uh, one of the best and most influential rap groups of all time. Um, Dr. Dre left the group. Ice Cube had left already. There had already been some splintering, some fracturing within the group. But, you know, everybody thought it would be all good. They would eventually come back together. But nah, it was not to be. And then after that, it was like everybody started dissing everybody. And then not too long after that, Easy e died and NWA had uh, dissipated. Gone off into the nether. 92 was weird for music. It was also pretty stellar. Now, in the world of movies and TV, of course, there were several, several standout films, TV shows. And we also got the launch of a brand new network dedicated to uh, fans of animation, which we'll talk about in just a moment. But I want to talk about one movie in particular that freaked me right the fuck out. And yeah, young me watched this movie. I don't know why. No clue why I watched it. But I did. Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> that movie was absolutely terrifying to me. But I somehow managed to watch it. And I was super terrified at the idea of of getting even though you know i was not a woman buffalo bill seemed to uh only go after women i was still super terrified that i would come across either him or dr lecter and and i would be tossed into a hole in a basement or i'd get caught in an alleyway somewhere and dr lecter would eat my liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. <laughs> That's from the movie. If you've never watched it, you should definitely go back and see it. But I also remember like the, the straight weirdness, the oddity of Buffalo Bill. And that he was unlike any other mass murderer or, or serial killer that I've ever experienced at that time. Which was very few <laughs> and far between. But I remember 
the scene where you know he's he's getting ready to to do his business with the uh, with his latest victim, and he's putting on the lipstick in the in the mirror. And yes, I'm doing a little shoulder shimmy right now because in my mind, Goodbye Horses is playing, which Goodbye Horses is a fucking jam too. If you've never if you've never heard that. I dare you to listen to that song and not do a little shoulder bop. And I remember he's putting on the lipstick. He's doing his thing. And then right as Goodbye Horses hits his crescendo, my man is hitting that high note. And Buffalo Bill backs up. His entire body is in frame. And he opens up his little... um, God, I forgot the robe. Komodo, I think is what it's called. He opens it up and he's got his junk tucked. And I'm like, why is he doing that? What the hell is happening? And I had so many questions. And I wanted to ask my mom, but I wasn't sure. Because I for sure was not supposed to be watching that movie at that time. So that was one of life's greatest mysteries for a very long time for me until I was actually old enough to understand what was going on. Uh, but speaking of uh, seeing things that we shouldn't see, um, I <laughs> I also caught Basic Instinct that year, which for me was like the equivalent of porn pretty much because there was a lot of dirtiness in that movie. None more prevalent than the uh, the very, very micro split second sneak peek of Sharon Stone's vagine as she uh, uncrossed her legs during the interrogation. And again, I'm a young kid, so I, d- I didn't understand the significance of that. I had no idea why Homeboy was so shook. Like uncrossing a leg is, is what something women do all the time. Why is why is Buddy sweating so much? I know now. He was getting seduced by some primo. His judgment was cloudy. And he too was shook. He was very shook. Now. (laughs) In the lighter world of cinema. Disney's Aladdin came out. Took us to a whole new world. But it also gave us one of Robin Williams, perhaps one of Robin Williams' greatest roles as the genie. The song Never Had a Friend Like Me is probably one of my favorite Disney songs ever. It's right up there with Be Prepared by Scar and The Lion King. I think that is one of the greatest Disney songs. Top three for sure. Be Prepared is top three in all of Disney songs. But never had a friend like me is is great in its own mind because it really it wasn't Robin Williams live action over the top him. But you can just tell that there was so much energy. There was so much chaos in that performance in the mic. And I think the genie was one of those roles that Robin Williams was just he was born to play. And I, for one, I loved it. I thought it was stellar. Another stellar movie that uh, really captured my imagination was Batman Returns. 
Batman Returns dropped in 92, and it saw Michael Keaton's last turn as the Batman. And for what it's worth, for me, um, I thought that whole movie was just top-tier cinema. Start to finish, top to bottom, it was great. It was stellar. You had Danny DeVito as the Penguin. And when he bit my man's nose, like I, that sent me over the edge. I, I lost my mind. You had Michelle Pfeiffer as Selena Kyle, a.k.a. Catwoman. And that patchwork, patent leather cat suit. Ooh, my goodness. I think Michael Keaton is my favorite Batman so far, to be honest. I mean, no disrespect to the other, you know, 35 Batman that, that have come and gone since then. But definitely, Keaton is my favorite. In fact, if I if I had to rank Batman so far, like everybody else is out of there, out of contention. You can lump them however you want to. But I'd say Keaton, Bale, and then Pattinson. I thought Twilight, Twilight vampire Robert Pattinson did an excellent job as the Batman. I, I really do. Was he as good as Christian Bale? No. Was Christian Bale as good as Michael Keaton? Absolutely not. That's my list. That's my ranking. I also think Heath Ledger is is the best Joker by far. Like, and it's not even close. Heath Ledger is the best Joker by a country mile, which we'll talk about that later because this show is about 92 specifically. And one of my absolute favorite things came out in 1992. Actually, my my second favorite thing came out in 92. There's one thing better. The Cartoon Network. The Cartoon Network was released in 1992. And it brought to us a network that was dedicated to cartoons 24 hours a day, seven days a week, nonstop. It was great to be able to catch up on some of my old favorites, but it also introduced me to a whole new side of of animation that I never thought or never knew existed. Now, we also got some of the greatest shows ever produced, in my opinion, that came out later down the line. Your Johnny Bravos, your um, Courage, the Cowardly Dog, your Dexter's Lab, Cow and Chicken. All of those shows were great, but I think the Cartoon Network's greatest contribution from inception to it going away has to have been Toonami. Toonami was what introduced me to the world of anime, Gundam, Dragon Ball. Those things like took over my life later on in, in my teenage years. I remember being in art and the only thing I wanted to draw was Dragon Ball. And this is a direct result of, of the inception of Cartoon Network. It was also the first time that I was introduced to um, like some of the older, more retro cartoons. Flintstones, Johnny Quest, The Jetsons, which is is one of my favorites too. I thought Cartoon Network was one of the absolute best things, and it is. It definitely is. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Now, the last thing that I want to talk about in 1992, because, you know, this show can't end without me touching on the world of tech and pop culture in 1992. Come on. 
That's what this show is about. That's what this site is about. That's what this brand is about. The wonderful world of tech and pop culture. And man, what a year it was. All across the board, there were several significant happenings in 92. It it might have been one of the most chaotic years in the decade, honestly. From 90 all the way through 99. Yes, the year before Y2K. 92 might have been one of the most chaotic years. I remember the news cycle just being so absolutely crazy, largely in part because this is the year that we saw Democratic presidential nominee and Epstein Island frequenter Bill Clinton just dominate the news cycle. I remember him being like the runaway favorite to win not only the Democratic nomination, but also the White House. Because that's what all the adults around me were talking about. Like, it was non-stop Bill Clinton. And as I look back, I can certainly see why he had this this southern charm to him. And he had a cool factor that, that was unmatched at that time. His comments on, yes, I, I smoked marijuana, but I did not inhale. Like, this is what for, this is presidential candidate, he's smoking weed? Really? For real? And then he went on what was the staple, the cornerstone, the pinnacle of black entertainment. The Arsenio Hall Show. (laughs) Bill Clinton went on the Arsenio Hall Show and laid into a uh, what I look at now. It was a pretty mid sax solo, but he still did it. Bill Clinton laid into a sax solo and that that won him over in the hood. Like I can remember back then people talking about Bill Clinton was going to be our first black president jokingly. Because he did things and said things that resonated within the community, smoking weed. Not really thinking it was a big deal, although we know now he definitely thought it was a big deal. Like people in the hood just like they loved Bill Clinton. And I I remember that being a thing. I remember vividly people loving Bill Clinton. Like comedians, talk show hosts, everybody. Everybody talked about Bill Clinton. And it was no surprise, you know, when November rolled around that he ran away. Uh, Initially, what was a tight race, but Bill Clinton ran away with uh, with the victory. Was elected president. It was not a surprise back then. Especially given the climate uh, of what was happening around the world and around the country specifically. Um, as I said, Bill Clinton was a favorite in the hood. And I think a lot of people saw him as not necessarily a means to an end, but maybe the person that would actually be able to change things that were happening. And one of the biggest, most craziest things that happened also in 92 was... The Rodney King beating. Rodney King was a motorist, pulled over, routine traffic stop. Some say he was drunk and belligerent. Other people, not so much. The fact remains that Rodney King was stopped in what was supposed to be a routine traffic stop and was subsequently beat senseless by four L.A. police officers. 
Now, ironically enough, that beating just so happened to be captured on on tape, on film. And it led to this really, really high profile police brutality trial. Where I can remember in the community, a lot of people thinking, hey, this this is a smoking barrel right here. It's it's clear as day. It's recorded. These police officers are beating the shit out of this black man. He is not resisting. He is not armed. We finally are going to get some justice. We finally are going to get some resolve because police brutality is something that had been happening in the black community for years, for decades, for centuries before this. But it was largely hearsay. He say, she say, it's your word versus the officer and and his commanding officer and his co-officer's word. So naturally, you would not get the victory you thought you were going to get. This time was different, though. This time it was caught on film. It was recorded for a long time. Surely they couldn't get away with this. But they did. Those officers got acquitted. On all counts. And that subsequently. Led to one of the biggest events of that year. The L.A. riots. Black people. Mostly. Some white people. Marched through the boroughs and the hoods of L.A. Trashing. Damaging. Buildings. Looting setting fire to because of the massive miscarriage of justice that that acquittal brought and these riots while I'm not justifying it at all were meant to send a message we will not stand for this something has to change and during those riots there was over an estimated one billion dollars in damages. The message was clear. What happened here was not right. Things need to change. But as we're well aware right now, it was all for naught. We continue to see things like that happen on the almost on the daily now with the prevalence of, of social media and literally everybody having a camera in their pocket. We're exposed to it even more now than we were then. And unfortunately, not a lot has changed. Now, on a much lighter note, 1992 also saw Windows uh, get its first real glow up. Microsoft released Windows 3.1 and it came with a whole host of upgrades, which is insane to think about. You think about your smartphone that's in your pocket right now and what what it can do. You think about the smartphone that was in your pocket mm, 10 years ago and what it could do. Now think about your first laptop computer. Now think about the first actual desktop computer you've ever had. If you're old enough to remember having a big-ass desktop computer at home and what it was capable of, Now, back then, desktop computers didn't have a lot of things, including multimedia support. You couldn't play music. You couldn't play videos on your computer. What the hell were they used for? 
I don't know. I truly don't know. Why did people have computers back then if they didn't play audio or video? That sounds insane to me. But that was some of the functionality that came on board with Windows 3.1. We also saw the introduction of the Windows Media Player. PCs gained integrated sound and video and CD-ROM support. Yeah, discs. Actual discs. Not floppy disks like what you were used to back in the day. You load that bad devil up and play the Oregon Trail. Nope. Actual CDs. Now, the most significant introduction that came with Windows 3.1, for me at least, because I can remember this being the gateway drug. <laughs> Minesweeper, Minesweeper came out with Windows 3.1, and it was one of the most mind-bendingly difficult games ever. If you don't remember what Minesweeper is, I'll give you a brief overview. It was essentially a game that started with clickable tiles all across a specific area. Now, underneath these tiles were numbers that you could click on. And if you clicked on a number, cool, you got to continue going. And those numbers were worth points. Now, also hidden under these tiles were bombs that if you clicked on, you would lose. And of course, there was no progress bar. There was no continues. There was no game saves. There was no checkpoints. So you could literally get almost an entire board cleared and click on a bomb. And guess what? You got to start all the way over from scratch. What kind of torture was that, Microsoft? Can somebody explain to me what the fuck the point of Minesweeper was? I mean, obviously, outside of clearing the board, but what was was the actual reward there? We subjected ourselves to hours of mental torture, (laughs) all in the name of clearing the board. I don't get it, but I loved it. It was one of my favorites. Another one of my favorites, another couple of my favorites, actually, are two games that would eventually shape my addiction to video games. And I say addiction lightly. It wasn't, I guess it was pretty bad. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Uh, It shaped my addiction to video games. And that, in particular, led me to be more explorative when it came to the genre of video games because even though these two games were similar in the sense that they were both fighting games they were also wildly different then the games that i'm talking about of course are street fighter 2 specifically super street fighter 2 turbo hyper edition <laughs> yeah that was the title and mortal kombat Those two games are fighting games. And that's pretty much where the similarities stop. Street Fighter was more cartoonish. The characters were over the top. You had your, you know, kind of Japanese karate Zen master in Ryu. His pupil, the Americanized, blonde hair, blue-eyed Ken. You had the hard-nosed military guy in Guile. You had the Chinese um, kung fu artist in Chun-Li. 
You had the sumo wrestler in E Honda. You had the mutant from Brazil in Blanca. You had the Indian yoga master in Dalsim. You had the Spanish pretty boy with the mask and the, the claws in Vega. I remember these things vividly, man. I played that so much, and I loved that game so much. And then Mortal Kombat came out and just crushed the buildings. Mortal Kombat took a more realistic approach to fighting. They actually scanned people doing these moves, these roundhouse kicks, these uppercuts, these leg sweeps. And there was a certain level of realism there that just wasn't present in Street Fighter, and it sucked me all the way in. Now, another thing that pulled me in was the hyper-violence of Mortal Kombat. Yes, my small little brain was so overstimulated by the violence, the stylized violence of Mortal Kombat that I could not get enough. I loved it so much, and I have so many memories of playing them both on my Super Nintendo just for hours and hours on the end. I never wanted to stop. And eventually those games would progress into, you know, multi-billion dollar franchises. But I remember their beginnings, very, very humble beginnings, but I could see that they were going to be smash hit for the future, long term. And lastly, speaking of long term hits, things that shape the future, at the end of 92, we got to see the first actual smartphone concept. It was called the IBM Simon smartphone. Now, I look at right now, I'm holding a, a Google Pixel 8 Pro. And it's a pretty decently sized phone. But I remember this Simon phone being just just ridiculously thick. Just chunky, blocky, square, just odd looking phone. And it had this, at the time, gargantuan. But now, by comparison, this teeny tiny monochromatic LCD touchscreen display. And you could call from it. And that was it. (laughs) You think about everything that your smartphone does right now. And back then, the pinnacle of a smartphone was the fact that you can make phone calls from it. Now, it also had email and fax capabilities. And it had an address book. But it's so funny. It's so weird to think about things like that. Like how far technology has come. And how much farther it can go. I remember really, really wanting um, an IBM Simon. Like, my nerd roots run deep, and I loved the concept of this phone. I really, truly did. And I wish I wish I could have had one. Now, later on, I would definitely fuel those, uh, those, those wants, as I would have pretty much everything, the Palm Trio, the Palm Pilot, the... Almost every BlackBerry ever made. I've used iPhones. But at the core of them all. Was the IBM Simon. And it brought with it a whole host. Of ambition and improvements that can be made upon that 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 principle of a smartphone. What a smartphone could be. 
It also brought with it the first actual SMS message. Now, the first official SMS message was actually sent from a PC to a phone. And SMS messaging didn't really, really take off until the late 90s. But that was one of those innovations that came with smartphones. People liking the idea of having a full keyboard. Because again, this is when we started using computers more and more and more because the internet was right around the corner. The internet um, was officially released publicly full time in 93. So the Simon was announced in November of 92. And then in 93, we have the internet. And while the Simon wasn't completely and totally commercially successful, it was one of those things that, again, laid the groundwork for everything that we've experienced since. And I thought it was it was a great building block for what would become a staple in our technological lives. Man, 1992 was a hell of a year. One of my favorite things in the history of things was developed and made in 92. Shot out of a cannon, so to speak. And there was other things that that happened that year that I can remember vividly just shaping who I am and who I would become. And it was fun to revisit that with you guys today. I appreciate you checking out this podcast, this episode of The Pod. If you liked what you heard, again, please make sure that you are subscribed to the show. Look down, see where that subscribe icon is. If it's lit up and bright and glowing at you, if it says subscribe, then that means you have not subscribed. Duh. Do it. Click that button. If you can, leave us a five-star rating and review. That helps us out tremendously. Also, make sure you're following us over on social media via at The Curated Culture on Facebook and Instagram, at underscore Curated Culture on X. You can also follow me via at Robbie Diesel everywhere on X, on TikTok, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Threads, on Snapchat, Blue Sky, all of the above, man. Make sure you're checking us out. Check out the site, thecuratedculture.com. And of course, get your video fix as well over on YouTube, youtube.com slash Robbie Diesel. Thank you guys so very much for uh, listening to this episode of the pod. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week and I will catch y'all on the next one. Peace. Thank you.